Hi everybody and welcome to Creativity Reframed. In our exploration of all things creativity through times of crisis, we have got some incredible female leaders that are joining me in this series to talk about really what, what the female leadership perspective brings um, to that lens and also really what the role of innovation and problem solving is that sits alongside that creativity. I am absolutely delighted to have a really wonderful, very, very bright lady and somebody who is a truly empathetic leader that I've always looked up to joining me today. I have the wonderful Cami Dunaway, who is the Chief Marketing Officer at Duolingo, um, who is here to give her perspective. So Cami, welcome. Absolute pleasure to have you here with me today. Oh, Dawn, it is so great to see you and spend time with you. And this is a really fun topic. So I look forward Absolutely. to getting into it. Absolutely. So um, as is our way, we'll kind of dive straight in. So the question I ask everybody first up, Cami, is over the last 18 months of all of this change and transformation, um, how has it impacted you both as a female business leader and on a personal level? Wow, great question. And... You know, in some ways, I would say the business side of life has sped up and the personal side of life slowed down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we found ourselves um, at Duolingo, like all businesses, just faced with a situation where a lot of our plans that we had very carefully laid out, we had the, you know, the beautiful year long marketing calendar. And then in March, in lockdown, all of a sudden, all that went out the window. And mm -hmm. so it forced us to um, really develop an ability to be much more agile about understanding where consumers were at, understanding how our brand could help solve needs and coming up with programs and solutions kind of on the fly. Oh. Um, and we were fortunate in that uh, the language learning business and Duolingo specifically did quite well during COVID. I think people were looking for something in life that they could feel like they had a little bit of control over. And yeah. so maybe learning a bit of French or learning a bit of Spanish was something that people could do at home that they felt good about. But so many of our plans had to be scrapped. Uh, for example, we were getting ready for an in real life event that we had been doing called DuoCon, where mm -hmm. we would physically bring language lovers from around the world around um, to talk about language and technology and popular culture. And we had to completely scrap that and go to a digital event um, which caused a lot of sleepless nights, yeah. but in the end meant that instead of reaching a few hundred people, we were able to reach a hundred thousand people virtually. Yeah. And, you know, so just learning how to be responsive and agile and, um, you know, kind of throwing those year long calendars out the window, I think was a, it was a positive thing on the business side. Sure. And then on the personal side, I just found that a lot of those almost routine social activities, when they went away, life got a little bit slower on the weekends. Yeah. And I found that I had some more margin in my yeah. life. Yeah. I actually realized that, you know, a Friday evening, cooking dinner with my husband and watching Netflix 
is kind of wonderful. Yeah. Um, started spending a lot more time in nature walking um, because that felt like one thing that I could do to get out of the yep. house. And so slowing down on the personal side turned out to be a good thing and something that I hope I can preserve a little bit of. Um, yeah. For now sure. we move back into our more normal routines. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was interesting when you were talking there, Cami, about that, when you were talking about that sense of almost on an anthropological level, that during the pandemic, that notion of people feeling that there's still stuff that they can control and mm -hmm. that one can grow and still learn and all the rest of it, again, is such a kind of, is a positive outcome, I guess, isn't it? That, you know, when there isn't much you can do, you can still use your brain and you can still learn, right? Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and we have to, we yeah. have to. And, and and I guess just to kind of maybe double down a little bit on you in terms of, you know, your own kind of leadership style, Cammy. What, what do you think you've been able to do personally um, or kind of through your team in terms of, you know, again, using that creativity and problem solving to, you know, what new things have you tried or experimented with over the last 18 months? Yeah, so... Um, as you know, like creativity, ideation, insights is the lifeblood of marketing. Yeah. And I think marketers by nature are pretty relational creatures. We yeah. really like to um, brainstorm. We like to just collaborate on programs. And you know, I had relied, I've got a team that's spread out all over the world, and I had relied on bringing them physically together four times a year. All of a sudden, that's not possible. Mm -hmm. um, but we found that um, we were still able and actually needed more than ever to collaborate. Mm -hmm. And so we started doing even more regular brainstorms. We just did them virtually and we figured out how to structure them by using breakout rooms and by using various digital tools yeah. that still enabled everybody to kind yeah. of contribute to that. Um, we also found that we had to be a little more creative about the way that we kept each other informed about mm -hmm. activities. And um, we use Slack, uh, Duolingo. Yeah. And those simple things that we hadn't done before, um, like every Monday morning, everybody on the team posts a little bit about what they did over the weekend, and then they post what we call our MIT's most important things yeah. um, that we have coming up during the week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just getting into that rhythm of sharing in a way that is visible to everybody on the team that then yeah. people can look at that and say, oh, that's what you're up to. Well, you know, I did something last year that might help out with that. Yes. Um, so really leaning into digital communication and collaboration yeah. tools yeah. has just been essential. And we're going to keep all those rhythms, even as we start to get back to more in-person sharing. For sure. It, it's really interesting, actually. I think in a similar vein, we did some work um, and, and typically it would be your classic brainstorm where you have the marketing team in the room and you kind of it was a session around purpose and values and brand DNA and all of that stuff. Um, and this was just as COVID had started. And again, a little bit like what you were saying, we were like, how the hell are we going to do this now? What actually, again, if, if necessity is the mother of invention, right? So it's kind of forced us to approach it in a completely different way. 
the particular challenge that we were working on, we brought in their whole organization over a certain number of days and brought them into little shorter workshops. Mm -hmm. So a little bit like what you were talking about, you know, when you talked about when you had to move your in real life event to the digital event. I think also the benefit of the digital tools is it can be quite democratizing as well, can't it? In terms of you can actually bring in different voices to perhaps the usual voices, because normally the room would dictate, oh, there's only a certain amount of people that are going to be in the room. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. One of the things that I have always loved um, to do is to really encourage my teams to be students of great marketing and have in the past, you know, maybe once during the year, twice during the year, asked someone to come in and speak at an offsite. And all of a sudden I realized like, wow, through Zoom, we could have speakers every month. Yes. Yes. So that's something that we did. We had David Rubin from the New York Times. We had the woman who leads um, a company called um, Nextdoor, um, a company here that's taken off called Nugs, that is a um, animal-based chicken product. You know, we had these people come on and just speak for 30 minutes, answer questions. And I had never thought about having a speaker through Zoom and it it opens up a lot of new possibilities for inspiration. Yeah, no, for sure. And is there any, are there any female leaders out there, um, Cami? And, and of course, there are some very well-documented ones. I was just interested from your perspective, is there anyone in particular um, as a kind of female leader in whatever guys actually that has really kind of caught your attention? You know, I will tell you, honestly, Dawn, the females that I am most inspired by these days are the young people, the young female leaders on my team. Yeah. Um, I had a really interesting experience two years ago, right before COVID. Um, I went back to my university and I um, minored in women's studies, uh, graduated in 1984. And back in 1984, you you were really taught as a woman how to adapt your style to be successful in more of a traditional male-dominated business environment. And I went back to speak to this group of, of women's studies majors who are, you know, graduating now in 2019, I guess it was. And they were all about, we're not going to adapt to the culture. Yep. We yep. are going to change the yep. culture. Yep. And I was so inspired by that um, yep. because I do think female leaders bring, um, qualities of empathy and different ways of communicating and making decisions that the business world needs. And I love the fact that these young leaders were determined to have their voices heard rather than to change the voices. It's such an interesting point, isn't it? I think the whole kind of generation that are coming through are so, in some respects, they're very brave, very bold, very activist. And, and I think it is the challenge, I think, for brands and employers of, you know, it, it's not about how one fits into a culture. I think it's about how cultures and organizations make sense of this kind of wonderfully eclectic group of people that you've got working for them. You know, they're so they're so empowered, um, which is, is wonderful to see. Um, yeah. I um, also love, I've got um, a wonderful marketing team here at Duolingo and, you know, many of them are pretty young, um, which I think 
as a marketer, it's really important to have those young voices in your team. And, you know, I see some of the marketers here, you know, male and female, but just doing some really brave and creative things that excite me a lot. Sure. And and I guess thinking about brands then, Cammie, are there any, because I think one of the things that's been very interesting, of course, during all of this has been certain brands, certain organizations being so truly purposeful. There's obviously a whole side conversation around the degree to which people are woke washing and all the rest of it. But if we maybe kind of focus on the ones that we think actually on perhaps a much bigger level than just acting as a brand, but as a, you know, almost a citizen within society, are there any brands that you kind of have, again, have kind of looked at and thought they've they've done some really powerful work during COVID? Yeah, it is. It's a great question. There's a brand here that people wouldn't know because it's a local brand. I'm in Pittsburgh um, called Highmark Health that really did a lot to celebrate their nursing staff. And they actually worked with Marvel and produced a comic book about their heroic, these superheroes that were serving during COVID. Um, And I think that you know, the brands who did it well were the ones that kept it authentic to who they are, to what their business is, um, as opposed to just trying to produce a pretty television commercial with, uh, you know, lots of emotional messaging. For sure. Um, I can't believe, was that an actual partnership with Marvel that they had? It was, yeah. It's incredible. I mean, first play to Marvel as well. To, to, I guess, have such grassroots activity that they can do some yeah. of them smaller, kind of more regional initiatives as well, yeah. which is great. Um, and, and I guess the final question, Cammy, which I ask everyone, is in light of everything and where we're at at the moment, what are your hopes for us all as some version of normal comes in whenever that might be? Yeah, you know, I think that we all discovered Uh, that we are maybe a little bit more resilient than we thought we were. Um, We all discovered that we need connections with each other, um, and particularly the connections that give us joy and help us to be our best, Mm -hmm. and that we may have to work a little bit harder to maintain them. Yeah. Um, whether it's doing Zooms or whether it's, you know, just being purposeful about putting up your most important things every Monday yes. morning. But I hope that we will retain those um, kind of those lessons of COVID that we're stronger than we think, but that we need each other more than we know. I know. And it, and it is interesting, isn't it? Because I know we've talked quite a lot about kind of the role of digital and technology and all the rest of it. But Again, I think it's the balance between the two, isn't it? Which which is the essential bit of, I think it's kind of really shone a light into humanity and, and what that looks like. Um, and then almost like the role of technology as an enabler, I think around us. But as you say, the beating heart of it is all about that resilience and, and connection really. So, um, and as we discussed prior um, to actually starting filming, Cami, again, we probably would have been having this conversation until until COVID in the sense of, you know, everybody being so globally connected now um, right. using these, these wonderful tools. So um, with that lovely note in mind, Cami, I will bid you farewell. 
Um, thank you so much for joining me today. And um, I will look forward to catching up with you soon.